All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. We have an amazing guest today. We have John Sherry. Say hello, John. How are we doing today? How's everybody doing out there? Excellent. <laughs> I think everyone's doing excellent. That would be my assumption because it's a beautiful Friday. The sun is shining and uh, the hurricane has come and gone. And you know what? I think that this coronavirus, it's going to come and go as well. I got a good feeling. I think we're going to nip this thing in the bud pretty soon. What do you think? I agree. Let's certainly hope so. Let's get this over with, get it behind us and move on. Yeah, I was uh, driving around today. I saw more businesses opening up um, and I saw different things going on. So uh, pretty interesting stuff going on. But anyway, John Sherry, attorney uh, here, uh, talking a little bit about what you do and how you do it. Sure. Well, I've been an attorney for over 16 years. I do well, basically any sort of commercial transactions, commercial real estate, uh, I represent a lot of investors, I represent a lot of uh, lenders, uh, just people generally doing business or selling their business and buying a business, and also some estate work. So I have a mainly transactional focused practice. And um, I believe one of the things you want to talk about today is operating agreements and LLCs. Oh, yes. Very, everyone's favorite Wonderful topic. Back to the world of, yeah, LLCs and operating agreements. Oh, yes. Back to the real world. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, LLC operating agreements are arguably the most important document we execute with our passive investors when we're buying a piece of real estate. So here, People's Capital, as you know, as our attorney for many commercial transactions, we buy apartment buildings with passive investors and we give them equity in these buildings and one way we uh, protect our investors and work with our investors is through an operating agreement, which overviews their, their risks and rewards uh, and rules in the, uh, in the company here. So um, as our attorney that helps us with those uh, op operating agreements, what are some of the most important things people should look for when they're reviewing an operating agreement? Well, there's a lot of things actually, uh, but before we even get into that, let's take a little step back and just talk very briefly about what actually is an LLC. Mm -hmm. LLC sure. is basically just a legal form of entity. You may have heard of C corporations, S corporations, limited partnerships, sole proprietorships, but LLCs are kind of unique in the fact that they offer limited liability to the investor, which means that an investor, once you give money to the LLC, uh, only that money is at risk. None of the investor's personal assets are at risk. Now there's some very, very uh, rare exceptions to that, but for the most part, that rule holds true. So any personal assets of an investor are protected. And that's what, what, when you hear the word limited liability, that's essentially what that means. But uh, there's more benefits of the LLC. It's very, very flexible. You can choose the tax status you want. And we, we don't have to get into that too to, to depth right now, but uh, just know that's very, very flexible. And it's especially good for investing in real estate. Hmm. And to go back to your original question, what kind of things does a uh, investor really want to see in the operating agreement. The operating agreement is essentially like the terms of how the partners and investors will not only operate the company, but also how those investors treat each other and what they can and can't do. So for, for an operating agreement, you want to make sure obviously that you, first of all, you have an operating agreement with the investment mm -hmm. in the LLC. Pretty important. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not required technically by law. I don't know if you know that, but uh, it's, it's always smart to certainly have one. Yes. The operating agreement will basically have, you know, the formation, what are the names of the author, uh, the registered agent, the person who receives any kind of uh, uh, mailings from the government or correspondence from uh, the government. It'll go through how uh, the company itself operates, when expenses are paid, how compensation is paid. It will go through 
things like uh, when a member, when the LLC has their annual meeting, does it have it in January, does it have more meetings? And especially important for investors is voting rights. Mm-hmm. How are the voting rights structured? Because most operating agreements, and it, the smart way to, to kind of structure it is to allow the managing member to do whatever they need to do during the ordinary course of business without receiving, without requiring a vote of all members, but then only have a vote required of all members for certain specific events, like adding a new member, like selling the, the property uh, or any big events, because you don't want a bit, you don't want to run a business where every single little purchase, every five, $10 purchase, you actually have to go back to the investors and ask them if it's, if it can be done. Right. So you generally want to structure it. So the, the people who are running the business can run the business effectively and efficiently, but the investors also have the power to approve, you know, uh, the, the non-ordinary course sort of events, the big events that happen. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. always a very important thing for everybody uh, to take a look at and what things are voted on and how and what uh, requirement or level they're required to vote on. So in other words, you just need a simple majority. Do you need two thirds majority? Do you need a full unanimous vote on certain things? So mm-hmm. that, those are certain important considerations to look at as an investor in any uh, business or LLC in this case. Right. And then to go a step further, if the uh, members don't have voting rights and you're putting together a pool of investors like we do, um, and the members are passive investors, silent investors, non-voting members, then you have to file with the SEC uh, most of the time, right? That falls into yes. security. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a little different. That's, a, <laughs> that's another conversation. But yes, that's a private placement uh, agreement of usually a 506B or 506C application to the SEC. Uh, basically just letting the government know of the offering because technically it is a security offering similar to you know, GM would, would do if they were offering stock. Mm-hmm. So you still have to follow certain guidelines as a sponsor. But, uh, you know, you always want to invest with uh, sponsors or syndicators who, you know, who understand that concept and who properly do things by the book. So that's, that's a, it's, a, it's certainly a good point uh, for you to bring that up. But uh, to go into that any further is going to require an hour uh, in and of itself discussing that. But, yeah, it's, 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 as an investor, just know that there are some security laws that have to be taken care of by the sponsor. And whenever you're talking to a sponsor and they understand that, you know, you're obviously dealing with a more sophisticated sponsor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we do uh, whenever we're closing on a piece of real estate. Um, of course, we uh, do file with the SEC because our investors are non-voting members and that's required to uh, report that to the SEC. So, um, you know, it's interesting in, in real estate, um, the different ways people can structure things and, and uh, the different rules people have. And, and that's incredible. I didn't know you could have an uh, LLC without an operating agreement. Have you ever seen that before? Yes. Usually um, for... There's nothing in, at least under New Jersey law, that requires an, uh, an LLC to have an operating agreement. Mm-hmm. So more often than not, people who are single member LLCs uh, will, have, will not have an operating agreement because they just don't mm-hmm. really need to. It's just them. Right. Uh, the only case for a single member LLC would require an operating agreement is if they're, they're going to get a loan from a bank or some, some kind of other private lender who would mm-hmm. require to see proof of an operating agreement to make sure that they're the only person there, that there's no uh, funky approvals required, that sort of thing. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, if there's more than one member in an LLC, you, you need to have an operating agreement. It's just not required by law. Right, right, exactly. And then, um, so if someone doesn't have an operating agreement and they're looking to have you draft one, what would that cost if you say you had like a, 
just a few members in an LLC, not a very complicated, but you know, a few partners buying a piece of real estate. It, it depends. If it's just a simple sort of fix and flip kind of thing, there's maybe two partners and they're both contributing uh, services to the business. Uh, it's not very, very difficult. It maybe would be an hour, an hour or two at most of work for me to do. But um, if you're getting into more sophisticated joint venture agreements for development of real estate, then that's a different story. Then it's, it depends on what the deal is, what they're developing, and it depends on how many members there are and how sophisticated those members are. So that would be on the opposite extreme. It's very, very complicated. But, you know, a simple sort of uh, syndication type sort of thing, it's not, not too difficult to do. Uh, and certainly for like a basic fix and flip or investment in real estate, it's really just a couple hours of work. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, uh, this is a little bit of a different topic, but, um, you know, I, I talk to people all the time that are uh, starting businesses and they say, oh, well, I'm going to start my LLC in Delaware because there's like a sale, you know, sales tax benefits there. Or I'm going to start my LLC in Nevada because it's hard to pierce the veil of an LLC. But I've also been told by attorneys that it really doesn't matter. The, the state you're doing business in is the state that the laws apply to. So you might as well just start the LLC in the state you're doing business in. What's your school thought on that? There, well, it depends, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. If you are a uh, startup company and you want to be the next Facebook and you're getting or intend to uh, receive professional money from venture capitalists, then you have to be a Delaware uh, entity. There's no there's no way around it because that's who they're used to dealing with and venture capitalists get their money from uh, pension plans and other things that can't invest in, uh, that will generally can't invest in LLCs. It has to be a C corp and generally do not like investing in any other States besides either Delaware and occasionally California. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, if you're starting that kind of business, you need to be a Delaware uh, C corp. Um, why is that though? Is that because Delaware, what's the benefit there? Well, the benefit there is that in Delaware, there's very, very highly established uh, court system to process business disputes and issues. And investors, I mean, at the very high level for those technology investors, those venture capitalists, they are used to Delaware law. They understand Delaware law. And they're just used to using that state and investing in companies that have, uh, that have been formed in that state. And they have to be C-Corps for that. You can't really generally not do an LLC for that because again, the the venture capitalists get their money from uh, the big pension funds, institutional investors who are technically in many ways not allowed to invest in pass-through entities, which is an LLC. Mm -hmm. So uh, for that sort of work, you you need to be Delaware. But if you're investing in a small, if you're starting a small business, like you're you're, you're gonna start a restaurant, you're you're starting a consulting company of some kind, uh, you're investing in real estate in New Jersey, then you wanna just be just, the uh, L- New Jersey LLC. It keeps things as simple as possible and you don't really need to go the route of having to go to Delaware to form the company, have a registered agent in Delaware. And then actually, if you're doing mainly if your business in New Jersey, what you then have to do is apply to New Jersey for uh, foreign entity approval to operate in New Jersey. So it's, it's basically, it, you, you, you're really putting a lot of time, money and effort into going through Delaware to operate in New Jersey. So in those cases with a smaller business, you want to be uh, in the state where you're operating. Well, what about the um, $30,000 education package gurus that tell you you should start an LLC in uh, Nevada because you can't pierce the corporate veil in Nevada? Well, that's not 100% accurate about not piercing corporate veil in Nevada. The corporate veil, I'm sure, could be pierced in Nevada. It's just that Nevada has very, very high uh, confidentiality rules. So without a court order, uh, they can't 
they will not disclose who the members of the LLC are. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's why Nevada is very good. And also Nevada is very good because I don't believe they have any corporate taxation. So one plan for people, and it's again, a little bit more complicated, but one plan for, for certain invest, investment vehicles and businesses is to start a uh, Nevada LLC, elect S-Corp status, and then transfer all your assets, let's say in New Jersey, let's say you own a pizzeria, you transfer all your assets to the Nevada LLC as in terms of ownership, and then you pay and lease that equipment back to your other business. And that way you're, you're, you're basically uh, reducing your income tax in New Jersey and feeding it to the, the Nevada LLC, which has no uh, corporate tax at least at the state level. So there, you can do some funky stuff with uh, different entities uh, and, and depending on what sort of goals you have. But for real estate right now, it's, it's, it's very, very simple, thankfully. You just, for the most part, have to have a uh, New Jersey LLC if you're investing in New Jersey property. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, and that's what we do. All of our LLCs are New Jersey based and um, yeah, we run our operations out of New Jersey. Now, what if you're buying a property in a different state Okay. Um, let's say, you know, but I live in New Jersey, but I want to buy a property in, in Vermont and, uh, you know, but my operations are going to be primarily out of New Jersey, uh, management wise and things like that. Um, however, I am hiring people in Vermont to, you know, clean the properties and maintain them and, you know, service providers and subcontractors. And, uh, what would you suggest there? Would I start New Jersey LLC or would I start Vermont LLC? If it's a, if it's a one-off sort of deal, in other mm -hmm. words, you're just ra doing a raise for that property and there's no parent company structure, mm -hmm. uh, then you could just do a Vermont LLC and then and do it that way. Mm -hmm. But uh, once companies get bigger, uh, they may often not structure it that way. They may structure, they may structure it, uh, you know, whatever state they're from, and then that state invests in separate subsidiary companies and each subsidiary company owns a piece of real estate. Under that case, it'd be a little different. But for each one off, if you're buying a property in Vermont, it might as well just be a, a Vermont LLC. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. All right, great. Well, um, that's, that's some good information. I really enjoy what we're talking about here. Now, how can people uh, reach you and what are some services that you would you know, provide to just any type of business owner or real estate investor? Well, you can reach me at my uh, website, jmstransactions.com. Uh, I have all my contact information there. And uh, there's a lot of information about the business and what, what sort of businesses I can help. But uh, I've been um, in-house counsel for a lot of businesses, so I can help with ongoing operations. Uh, I do a lot of formation startups of businesses, as well as sales of businesses. And as I'm sure you know, a lot of commercial real estate uh, and uh, the occasional estate plan as well uh, for, for certain clients, for certain special clients. So really, I, I have the... I, I run almost the full, the full spectrum of a transactional type of work. Uh, but I'm, you know, very easy to talk to. I like, uh, I like talking about these sort of things. So if anybody has any questions about anything, uh, any of the viewers, your viewers, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, and I'd be more than happy to talk about whatever situation, business situation you have or that I can help you with. And if it's something that I can't help you with, I'll be more than happy to point you in the direction of some good people who can help you. Yep. And I can definitely vouch for that. Uh, John's been a great attorney for us. Um, and you know, I, what I like about you, John, you provide great service, but you don't break the bank. And that's really important when you're trying to run a business. You know? Well, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to have long-term uh, clients, you know, mm -hmm. repeat mm -hmm. business and people I like working with good people, like, mm -hmm. uh, just like you guys, you know, I like working with you. I want to work with yeah. you guys in the future. Absolutely. What's your website one more time? JMSTransactions.com. 
Uh, and if you, could just, if you just do a search for my name, John Shari, last name S-H-A-R-I, uh, it'll pop right up. Man, I've been calling you John Sherry for the longest time. <laughs> you know, I've heard that all my life, so I don't even pick up on it. Uh, <laughs> technically, it's pronounced Shari, but Sherry works as well. Sherry, Shari. Okay, yeah. that's good. I've, I've heard it both ways my entire life. So like I said, I don't, I don't even pick up on it anymore. <laughs> I know a guy, who his name is Ryan, and you call him, uh, well, he wants Ryan. And you mm -hmm. call him Ryan, he gets upset. It's very confusing. I don't know. Yeah. You got to pick a choosy you get upset about in this world. You know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, let certain things just wash over you and just, you know, move forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll put your website in the show notes uh, right. so people can reach out to you. And uh, this is great. I think it's been very informative. You know, I know it's a bit of a dry topic, but it's a very important topic. And uh, I can see your passion for it, and which is great. You know, even on this beautiful sunny day, I enjoy talking about LLC operating agreements. Imagine that, huh? <laughs> yes, the magical world of LLC operating agreements. <laughs> <laughs> hey, without them, where would we be, right? We need That's these true. things. You need them. Oh, my gosh. Where would we be? Those slip and falls. Woo-wee. Thank goodness <laughs> for the LLCs. That's right. <laughs> All right, my friend, enjoy your day there Thank and you. you have a good one. You too. You too. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye.